Hey everybody, it's John. I wanted to remind you that we do have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Over there on Patreon, Mitch and I discuss subjects concerning movies and television and just about anything else we want to talk about. So uh, if you want to come over there, you can subscribe for $2 a month for one episode or $5 a month for every episode at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short, controlled bursts. I'm John Ingle. And I'm Crystal Beth. And today we are talking about Minute Number 80, which begins with Ripley strategically placing the space heater and ends with Ripley saying, I'm not going to leave you, Newt. Oh. Lies. And uh, we get a nice little closeout to the minute, a nice clean little line, I'm not going to leave you, Newt. Uh, But you guys... Are gonna leave me after today. This is our last um, last show of the week. Show! Oh, I just came through the wall. Oh, you can't hide from me, Crystal. You can't hide from me. Oh, he loves me so I just much. Broke I was through the to wall. Ignore him. I wanted oh. to just be other John and I. It's and me, was... John Robert Wilson. What's your name? I have your name. This is other Crystal. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. Oh but... no! They, you guys, you guys tried to start this. This, this today's episode without me, but I just crashed through the wall to, to, to jump back onto the microphone right now. I think God. it's mad I didn't introduce him, and he was in the other room, and instead of going through the door oh. like a normal person, he crashed through the wall next to the door. Bingo! <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Is this the first time he's ever crashed through the wall, though? I mean, is your, is your uh, apartment not th- full of, like, John-sized holes in the wall everywhere? <laughs> well, I patched them up. But yeah, no, he keeps doing it. She she does a great job, actually. Put posters. Oh, okay. I figured you just put posters over them, like Shawshank Redemption style. (laughs) But no, you actually spackle. That's good. It's pretty cool. All right. Well, here we are, guys. Our last episode together this week. And uh, what a what a better what no better way to share it with it than a heartfelt uh, monsters are real talk. Between Ripley yeah. and Newt. Monsters are real, because they are in, in Aliens. They apparently are. Uh, so, we, yeah, that's kind of a f- interesting take on this, you know, the child in endangerment uh, in a horror movie or action horror movie, however you want to classify this one. But um, the actual discussion of, well, I, we, I, I've been told many times that monsters aren't real, but they actually are, aren't they? And the answer has to be, yeah, I guess they are, kids. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Ripley answers with the, um, uh, you know, well, then Newt says, why do they tell Then why do they tell us that? And they're like, well, usually it's true. Which is kind of a strange answer, right? I, I was like, usually it's true. On the planet yeah, where I, get, I come from. <laughs> yeah, I guess they tell people from Earth. I mean, of course, you know, if a uh, saber-toothed tiger, uh, well, saber-toothed tiger doesn't really work because they're extinct. Um, a <laughs> tiger... <laughs> If a tiger came into your house, then I guess monsters would be real. Would that be not the equivalent of an alien attack on you? I mean, if something, anything broke into your home and decided to eat you or kill you in any way, then I guess they're kind of monstrous. Yeah. I don't know. I'm searching. I'm searching, guys. I think it's a good answer, though, because you don't want to be too blunt and be like, well, I clearly we were lying to you. You don't want to say that because then they'll never trust you again. But to be like... Usually that's true. It, it settled me down. 
watching it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, usually it is true, but this is a situation where it happens to be very untrue. Yeah, but then if you think about it one more, take it one more step, you're like, well, what else is usually true? Like, what? how many other things are you telling me that, um, oh, yeah, they were true, but they won't be much longer? To me, that's a little disquieting then. Yeah. Oh, no, it's all, it's, well, I mean, it's all a troubling situation, so there's really no, like, perfect answer. Right. Uh, but in the script, and, and then I'm going to carry this over into what's in the director's cut a little bit, but in the script... Um, she asked the question, there, there really are monsters, and Ripley says, yes, there are, aren't they? And Newt says, why did they tell kids that? I'm just going to read a little from the script here. It says, Newt's voice reveals her deep sense of betrayal. She's seen the world, uh, that the world can be just as terrifying as her most primal child's nightmare, if not more so. And that's a lot worse than finding out that there's no Santa. <laughs> that's what it says. Oh, my God. And Ripley's answer here is, well, some kids can't handle it like you can. That's what she tells Rip, uh, Newt instead of, you know, most of the time it's true. And then Newt shifts gears uh, to talking about her mother's fate and says, did one of those things grow inside of her? Uh, talking oh. about her mother. Ripley uh, begins pulling blankets up, untucking her in, tucking, in her, uh, tucking them around her tiny body is how it's worded. Um, Ripley says, I don't know, Newt. That's the truth. And Newt says, isn't that where, how babies come? I mean, people babies, they grow inside you. <laughs> and Ripley says, no, it's different, honey. And Newt says, did you ever have a baby? And Ripley says, yes, a little girl. And Newt says, where is she? And Ripley says, quietly, gone. And Newt says, you mean dead? <laughs> so, wow, it's a lot heavier. It's a lot heavier of a scene with all this added stuff to it. And uh, Heavy questions, Newt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's a heavy kid. I mean, I guess you would probably get pretty fatalistic if you went through what she's been through. Yeah. So I can see. And, and like I, we talked about earlier with the space heater, you know, the practical use of it being obviously you want to keep the kid warm while she's sleeping. Uh, from a lighting perspective, it's probably nice to bring in a little red light, darken up the mood a little bit here before this yeah. line of questioning begins. Uh -huh. So um, pretty good filmmaking there with the with the space heater but i mean what do you guys think you like it better that they left this all this talk out or do you think this would have made the scene more rich i like it i i don't know if we've talked about it yet but i prefer the director's cut of aliens okay. i like all the extra stuff that they took out and i think that these are real conversations that a child would have when she's like what the heck is going on what mm is happening in the world around me. And it does bring up the, the fact that she has a baby doll in her hand. She knows that when people are pregnant, there's something inside their stomach that then you have to push out. And she's had a lot of time to think, and that's probably what she's been thinking about, where she's like, oh my God, did I do that to my mom? So it's been a very, it's, I think it's a good scene to have because it's, I understand why they cut it out because it's not really necessary to the plot of the movie, right. but I think it's a good character, uh, character moment for Newt and Ripley. It's just so dark. It's just so dark though. It's like, it's a did, dark movie. Did that, yeah, but it's like, you don't, you don't want to be like, yeah, the, these, these things grew inside of you. And I mean, we know the kid's traumatized. I'm not sure we need to, you know, hear the visceral details of how their parents met their demise. Also, too, it's like my 
is gone dead? Yes, dead. <laughs> night, night. Nighty yeah, but night. the way Newt says dead in the director's cut is so sweet. Where yeah. it's like, she's not like, oh, you mean dead, right? But she's like, it's dead. another way to relate to Ripley. Because Ripley lost yeah. someone special. She lost her family. So yeah. it was a, it's a very... I, it sounds pretty matter of fact the way Newt says it, but it's they've now reached a level that they can both inter- like they're on sure. the same level again. Yeah, they both experience the same horrible things. Well, kind yeah, of. I think that it's fine. I I, I I like it both ways. I think you know from a pra- practical standpoint, you got to cut it out. Uh, or at least all the stuff about Ripley's daughter, if you're not going to actually have that in the movie, you know, so if you get your theatrical cut, you don't want to have this conversation because then it's a bombshell, right. you know? Um, but as far as Newt's character goes, I think it's could be pushing it a little too far, but it's probably just about right. And I particularly, what I do like particularly is this correlation between human babies and, you know, the face hugger. Or the uh, chestburster. I kind of like that she sees that correlation and that kind of brings that home to us. We know that. I mean, that's the symbolic nature of the creature. But at the same time, to have a kid actually realize it and, and articulate it somehow makes it hit home in a new way, mm-hmm. which is which is different. You know, when you're making a sequel, you got these same ideas you're playing around with. Bring it to me from a different angle. So now we have a kid, how a kid would understand this situation and read into it. And then wonder how it's different, you know, uh, how, how is it really different from me being inside my mother as opposed to a chest burster being inside of another person? And, oh, uh, I think you, you t- ripping apart a chest, you rip apart my vagina. Sure. So it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of the same, so maybe but a little different. I mean, we hope that Newt doesn't know too much about the birthing process <laughs> to, to know those details, but, um, I, the child's view uh, here that Newt provides, I think it's it's got it's got some value to it. I think that this scene being left in would have been fine uh, to, if you were able to cut out at least the parts where they say that it, Ripley has a daughter. Um, I'm fine with it. I also find with leaving it a little bit more, uh, a little sweeter, like more of a night-night, and I'm going to go do these things and you sleep tight. Because then we have this sense of maybe less of a sense of dread and more of a sense of comfort for Newt. So that when we get back to Newt finally here in a few weeks, uh, it's going to be more of a shock to the system that she's suddenly in direct danger. Yeah. I think maybe leaving this mood like a, a, a kind of it's, pall of dread over it would have yeah, it's had almost, a different... It's almost as if leaving in that extra dark dialogue offers a little bit of a, an off-ramp into the the next jarring, uh, dangerous thing that happens in this movie. And yeah. instead, it's just like, no, there's no off-ramp. You're literally just dropped right onto it, like you just said. Yeah, I think both ways could are, are fine. I, I think this is another one of those, you know, this movie being kind of a case study of uh, director's cut versus theatrical cut of, of movies. In this particular case, I think there's a value. Almost everything that was cut out has value uh, having been cut out and almost everything that was put back in has value in a longer, more extended version of the movie. So I think this is another one of them where it could go either way. Both are fine. Everyone's argument for which version they prefer is valid. Uh, I still dislike certain elements of the director's cut and where they're placed, but 
I'm starting to really come around on the director's cut because I, 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 I'm just starting to see, looking at it closer, uh, the way that we are, I'm starting to see value in a lot of the director's cut choices. So, I've only seen the the theatrical cut once. Yeah, and I, it's I think of it. I I also generally there's very few situations where it's the opposite. I like the director's cut better because you see more of what the director envisioned. And sometimes it's like, Oh my gosh. Oh, relax. Like Lord of the Rings. You needed to cut that down because it was so long, but (laughs) I still really enjoy the, the deluxe editions of those. I'm the, I'm the opposite. I'm very, it's very rare for me to like the director's cut. I usually think those original cuts were made, were correct. And the director's director's cuts. That's just me, though. I mean, to me, I'm an ed- I'm an editor kind of guy. Like, I like to see less. So, uh, yeah. if you're able to tell the story using less, then great. So, if a movie came off well in the first place, I'm like, well, why do you need to then make a you know director's cut? You did so well the first time. Why are you adding more? But right. you know, teach his own. Like I said, everyone's arguments are valid for this. But to me, I like a pared down, like the more you know, straightforward kind of narrative. I can get the better. So um, it's very, I think that maybe the Blade Runner director's cut might be the one that I really prefer over all the others. Mm, but okay. But yeah, for the most part, I'm, I'm into the original cuts. But yeah. Yeah, but the thing about Aliens is like how many opportunities would you have even had to see the director's cut uh, or the theatrical cut? Sorry. Like, yeah. Unless you're, you know, in your 40s. And had a VH, you know, VHS player in the late '80s. You probably didn't really see it very often. So, so would you guys notice that this is definitely? We haven't really talked about this yet, but this is definitely a very British Newt moment, uh, right? She definitely gets heavy British accent in this minute. Oh, don't leave me, Bobby. <laughs> it's weird. That's one of the criticisms of Carrie Hen's performance. We we here at Alien Minute love Carrie Hen. And her performance is Newt. But she does have this come and go kind of British accent that happens. And this one's really heavy, I think. Uh, so we'll just point that out. I don't know if it needs any discussion in this case <laughs> say about it. But just wanted to point out she definitely falls into a bit of a cockney thing here for a moment. It's like Princess Leia. Yep. Except she doesn't have that diplomatic, you know, status to fall back on. Right. Like, it's like the accent it, that they have in Alien, Alien 3. All of the prisoners. Oh, yeah. The, the blue collar cockney accent. I can't do it. I can't either. I, w- I was going to try to do the line that Newt gives here, but then I thought I'd just be embarrassing myself, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> well, then, of course, we have a big thing happen here. Another big moment. And it's, and it's funny. I kind of forgot that it happened so quickly on the heels of the last moment with the tracking device. Yeah. For some reason, I thought there was a little, that, that Ripley had that thing for a little bit longer. <laughs> Nope. But she boy, she turns it right over. Which I guess may- maybe speaks to how she really feels about Hicks. Yeah. Like, oh, thanks, thanks for the watch, buddy. Yeah, uh, I'll cherish it forever. Um, here, I kid. Would've, I would have loved it if like Hicks was looking for Ripley later in the movie, and he finds her, and he's like, oh, <laughs> it could have happened. Ripley, I'm coming for you. Oh, you're just the kid. What? Oh. But yeah, um, another nice moment though. Again, we're passing this thing on. Um, we couldn't have anyone but Ripley give her this, so it's almost like this. There's this kind of chain, of, uh, kind of chain reaction. Not, that's not the right way to put it, but nobody could give the tracking device to Ripley except for Hicks, right? Yes. 
we, we established that because otherwise it would just be bad exposition. We needed to have a personal relationship, some, something going on with the characters while that was being passed off. And then nobody has a relationship with Newt except for Ripley. So it was kind of like we had to start with Hicks giving it to Ripley. And we have to yeah. have Ripley give it to Newt because nobody else could give it to, to Newt either. If anyone gave it to Newt, it'd be like, here, kids, you better carry this thing. And it would just be a, a dumb utilitarian scene with no right. real character to it. So that's why we get these kind of two moments so close together, but it still works. Um, but we're, but it's setting us up for the big, big set piece. This is this is a like nice big moment where it's like, hey, you hang on to this. And she's not even giving it to her for that purpose. She's just saying for good luck. I guess in her mind, it's probably for that purpose. Yeah. But she certainly isn't going to tell Newt that. Uh, but boy, it's setting us up for the big, big like driving suspense engine of the final third of the movie. So... Uh, it's kind of a big move, uh, big moment. Really is, and that's uh, what we were talking about before with her just handing it over so fast. That's another reason why I was like, "Oh, it's definitely not romantic," because if it was romantic. You'd be like, "This boy gave this to me. I really like it." <laughs> She's like, "Nope, that's <laughs> true." <laughs> She'd like be well wearing it on a necklace around her, right. like, you know, like a class ring or something. Or like as she walked down the hall, she just keeps staring at it. She's like, "Tee." <laughs> I, I love my tracking device. It came from Hicks. Hicks he gave it to me. All He's the time. So... I'm not in an abusive relationship at all. <laughs> He's so dreamy. <laughs> Who is she talking to in this scenario? Vasquez? This is like, I don't give a fuck about your boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, man. My boyfriend's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or not boyfriend. I think that they're just. I think that Vasquez yep. has a girlfriend, and they're just best friends. <laughs> Could be. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I do like that she gave. It's like a comfort thing, like the um, the earmuffs that Piglet gets in Winnie the Pooh, so that he can ice skate. Do you guys know that? No. Oh uh, yeah. No. Huh. Yeah, I never. We never had uh, Winnie the Pooh tied into aliens yet, but. Well, here we go. So I know what you're talking about. John, there's an episode of Winnie the Pooh where Piglet can't ice skate, but then they're like, here are yeah. some magic earmuffs, and then he could ice skate. I remember. So this tracking device is like, I'm scared. I'm alone. I'm so nervous. Here's this thing. It's like It'll the sunglasses you. from Big Daddy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's invisible. Now I'm envisioning, and I feel like maybe I've seen this before. I'm sure there's some somebody out there has cleverly uh, done some alien mashup with with Winnie the Pooh in some sort of illustrative form. I'm picturing right Winnie the Pooh stuck in in who is it whose hole is it? the rabbit's hole oh, rabbit's or whatever. Hole with the honey. And then they pulling him out and having a face hugger on his face. I can see that. <laughs> That'd be right? awesome. The brutality. Pooh with, with face hugger. I guarantee that's out there somewhere. We'll find out. Uh, or someone can make it for us if there's not. That would be great. John and right. I are both frantically googling. <laughs> I could hear, I could hear you googling. Oh, there is one. Uh, we already right. got it. We got it. All he's right, there is up, one. He's opening up an egg, uh, like a honey oh, pot. Oh, I've seen that. Somebody's posted that on our Facebook page. I knew it was somewhere hidden in my files, in my mental files, somewhere. But yeah, that makes sense. Okay, instead of the honey pot, it's the egg. Got it. Yeah. And someone has a tattoo of it. Oh wow, that's going pretty far. Yeah. That's going pretty far. All right. Well, do you guys have anything else to talk about this week? Uh, any more thoughts on aliens in general or anything about this minute? 
No, I'm, we were both very excited to be a part of this. We love the Alien franchise, yeah. so just really excited to talk about it again. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks again for letting us do this. I just want to say that, like, when Crystal first came onto your show the first time, I just started reading up on all the different alien lore out there on the internet, and my gosh, I I read up on how you know the xenomorphs implant the embryo in their host, and depending on the their their DNA immediately becomes one. Yeah, so that's why we all have the different varieties of xenomorphs because it's dependent on, dependent on what their host organism was and how just the, they're like these they're like these super bugs that are so adaptable to any situation in space and that they can uh, you know the eggs can stay viable for a long long time because they they can go into a stasis where uh, they can detect you know viable hosts around them and then that's when they get supercharged with chemicals and batteries to get them going and. I don't know, just in the evil corporations and stuff of the future, these kind of faceless corporations, and I don't know. I, I just, uh, I really, this movie is so rich, and there's so much background that you can read up on uh, that's just not even included in the movies. It's just really incredible. Yeah, it's it's fun, and and you know, I was going to say something that was said earlier in the week, but it, I, I kind of forgot to bring it up. Was I think we were talking a little bit about extended universe stuff. And it's it's interesting to note that the extended universe of the alien world is from aliens, not alien. Like, obviously, yes. they're tied together. But it was really this movie that spawned all that because there's so much. I think you were talking about, John, how you like to get more detail on the Marines. Like, there's these Marines, so clearly they have more stuff. And I'd like to know what stuff they have, why you liked the sentry guns and so forth. And it's like, yeah, because Alien doesn't really have that. Like, what, what are you going to talk about, Wayland? You talk, the company, uh, the, the corporate structure right. of that. You know, there's not a lot to go off of that, which is great because I love that as a singular film. But Aliens do- suddenly spawned all these comic books and all this other detail because it's so rich in detail. Yeah. So in that sense, it's closer to like a Star Wars or Star Trek where there's just so many things going on in the background that you could build off of that it created this bigger world. And on this show, we typically talk about how we like to keep it limited to the movie. But um, I enjoy all that stuff. I mean, it's fun. It, it's fun to get into the details of it. Sometimes it gets completely outrageous. But yeah. You know what? The, I, I, want to see, I want to see like an alien home planet and see like the super queens and like these 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 overlords and stuff that you use president. To. Yes, the president. The president of aliens. <laughs> I am the president of aliens. I mean, that would be I, a boring movie. I mean, I would watch a documentary on it. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Well, that was Pete. Uh, Pete, the retailer's idea was, you know, he uh, he tends to talk about this on Star Wars Minute too. But his idea when he was on Alien Minute was that he would like to see a documentary about the alien, the xenomorph, as as being like a nature documentary. Yes. So where I you see. That. Even like a slow motion shot of a xenomorph on you know on a prairie plain chasing a human being you know down like a gazelle. Uh, I can only see that in a funny way right now. I picture like a really wide shot, and you just see this person running, and you don't know what they're running from, and you can't see who they are. But they get over halfway through, and then you just see a xenomorph like galloping after him because they don't move. Right. Like they move very poorly. It's like they look like puppets when they move because they are. So yep. I would love to see a wide shot of one just like, like, I don't even know how to describe how they would run. Well, well if one of them, you know, were to uh, face hug a cheetah and then chest burst out of a cheetah and then it would have the cheetah DNA, that would be quite a graceful and very fast xenomorph, right? It would be yeah. part cheetah. 
So that's I do find all that interesting. Like I like that. Like John, you mentioned the DNA intermingling. I think that's a lot of fun, and I think that's got a lot of meaning to it. You know, it's like it's more than just cool. You know, side stuff for the movie. I think it's interesting to think that Kane, in a way, was the one that killed everybody on on the Nostromo. You know, yeah. and and the fact that Ash actually refers to him as Kane's son, which is I think really cool and kind of creepy. Yeah, very deep, creepy. Deep dark horror movie shit. You know, I like that. So I don't know. Yeah, Aliens. It's full. The whole universe is full of so much fun stuff. And then the movies themselves, if you ignore all that stuff too, are also very rich, very cool. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, you guys want to let everybody know one last time where they can find you online. Sure thing. You can find our podcast, The Fifth Element, which does the same thing as Alien Minute, except about The Fifth Element. Uh, You can find that on iTunes. You can also find our podcast about video games on uh, iTunes. It's called Unlimited Lives Radio. And we stream that live every Thursday at 6 p.m. at twitch.tv slash unlimited lives radio. And you can follow myself at uh, the Crystal Beth on Twitter and Instagram. Nice plug, Crystal. Thanks. I've been John Robert Wilson. You can follow me on Twitter at John Robert Wilson. Give me a follow. Don't you? And you can find us, of course, at alienminute.com on Instagram at Alien Minute Podcast on Twitter at Alien Minute Pod. Um, you can also drop a couple of bucks in our digital tip jar. That would be greatly appreciated to help pay the podcast bills over here. And for one last time on Friday, we'd like to thank Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer for coming up with this crazy concept for a podcast. Um, appreciate it, guys. Loving Star Wars Minute, of course, always. And if anyone out there has never listened to Star Wars Minute, please rectify that problem in your life. You should listen to that show uh, for sure. And also, of course, listen to Fifth Element and any of the other Movies by Minute podcasts, which can be found at moviesbyminutes.com. All right. Well, that's going to do it for Minute 80. We'll see you next week for Minute 81.